the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Ron Geyer Roofing. The Bible describes events that will mark the last days, or end times. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.44 tells us, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Bible teacher Ron Geyer leads us through Scripture that will help us to remain strong in the Lord. End Time Insights with Bible teacher Ron Geyer starts now. Hi everybody, Ron Geyer with End Time Insights. Thank you for tuning in again today. I believe this airs. It is Resurrection Sunday. So God's best to you. Easter is one of the, uh, I consider it to be, even though it's a pagan phrase, we won't go there today. But Easter, the holiday, I think is the holiest day in Christianity and Christendom. Because in Christmas time, the message is God loves you, rejoice. In Easter time, the message is Jesus died for your sins, repent. So this is actually the season of repentance. So I just want to get you started with that, especially in America. This is actually a very important time, and hopefully the nation will repent. I love Franklin Graham. I must talk about him all the time. And, you know, he's great. He does Samaritan's Purse, and he goes on to New York or California, and he brings the whole team in, and they assist whatever the problem is, flooding, hurricanes, viruses, he brings his team in and he gets on the air and they give him airtime and he tells them what's going on with the ministry and then he immediately goes. And you know, God loves us so much, he paid the penalty through his son Jesus Christ for your sin. And he talks about repenting as a people, as a nation, and just allowing God to show us once again his goodness to our nation. So that's been our prayer, that we would acknowledge what's going on in our lives on a personal level. Even Ed Young this weekend, I was watching him on TV, and he was talking about we need to get rid of the sin in our lives so that God can go ahead and do the things that he wants to do because the sin in our lives interferes with God blessing our nation, our homes, and our families. Anyway, uh, we're teaching on Romans chapter 1. This is the second week. There's going to be several of them. We left off at verse, I actually only started on verse uh, 16 and 17, and I touched on verse 18, and we left off here, so I want to pick up with verse 18 again. Verse 18, and it's so appropriate for our nation today. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. And this is important that we get this right because God's talking about the wrath of God. We just got through telling you that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth because in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. And so now Paul starts talking about the wrath of God. When we reject the gospel, we fall under God's judgment and eventually under the wrath of God. And right after hearing about the righteousness of God, Paul begins a summation on the wrath of God and why it's necessary. That's right. God's wrath is necessary. God's righteousness has been revealed in the gospel, but rejection of that gospel will result in ungodliness and unrighteousness. And basically, unrighteousness is our reaction towards 
being apart from God is the way we deal with God. And ungodliness is our rejection of God and the resulting behavior. Unrighteousness is the way we deal with mankind. So we have to remember that it has two sides to it. The gospel, number one, his offer of righteousness. On the flip side of that coin, when we reject that righteousness, the resulting wrath. It's completely righteous by God to judge a nation, to judge a people. It's completely righteous of God to bring his wrath upon us for such rejection. I gave this definition last week. It's by Bible commentator Murray. The wrath of God is the holy revulsion of God's being against that which is the contradiction of his holiness. Remember, the gospel, it's the power of God unto salvation. And what are we saved from? We are saved from sin, which also can result in the wrath of God. So the salvation message that is preached, it saves us from the wrath of God, and it saves us from our sin. And during this Easter time, where we're celebrating the resurrected uh, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, we must remember the reason he had to die. He had to die for our sin. This should be a time of contemplation. This should be a time of self-introspection. How is my relationship with God? Am I in right standing with God? Am I obeying God? Am I drawing close to God? Do I have a heart that wants to please him? And that's why we are looking at ourselves. Uh, where do we stand with God? Are we doing what we should be doing? Am I where God wants me to be? So I challenge you on the close of this Easter day to go ahead and just look at yourself in that regard. If there's anything that you need to repent of, go before God. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Ungodliness, this refers to man's offenses against God. We read this in verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. Ungodliness is man's offenses against God. And also those who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Unrighteousness refers to the sins of man against man. In this chapter now, Paul does not proclaim the good news. He does, though, tell us how it delivers us from the wrath to come. He describes how we are saved from the wrath through the gospel. While the gospel itself does not proclaim or preach or even reveal the wrath of God, its reflected brilliance shines the light of truth upon the wrath of God, causing God's wrath to be discovered and released, unfortunately, towards us who practice ungodliness and unrighteousness. The people that hold the truth in unrighteousness, or better yet, the people that suppress the truth, these are people that have the truth. They hold the truth. That means you possess it. You know, I hold, I got a bottle of water in my hand. I possess this bottle of water. Well, people have the truth and they suppress the truth. It is an intentional action. And this is common. They are working for Satan. They are working against the church, against the body of Christ. They are working against the move of God, drawing people into the kingdom of God. They hold the truth and they are intentionally suppressing it. They hold it down. They cover it. They have the truth. The truth is not foreign to them. It's not a mystery to them. But they consistently are holding it down, covering it where other people can't see it. You know, many people are teaching, and we can use the coronavirus as an example of this. Many people are teaching that good comes from God and bad comes from the devil. Uh, you know, devil is evil with an added D and good is God with an added O. And that's nice and sweet and it's easy and yet certain things we keep looking at through the eyes of man and we don't understand what's going on. As usual, 
that causes us to miss the spirit behind things. You know, you can talk about God in the 40 years that the Jews wandered trying to get to Israel in the desert. And, you know, God did that. Satan did not do that. The Bible says God did that because of their unbelief. And if you look at that through the eyes of man, that's not a good thing. Wandering in the desert, having people killed, just about everybody was kept from going into the promised land. There was instant after instance of man disobedience where God actually slew thousands, tens of thousands, 30,000s at a time. God sent plagues. God sent storms. I mean, God opened up the earth and he swallowed the sons of Korah. This is God. And the same God that's in the Old Testament is in the New Testament. God doesn't change. I'm the Lord. I change not. The difference is now we're living under a new covenant that affords us grace where we are not destroyed every time we mess up. And God gives us long suffering, which is salvation to many. But we have to know that in the old book, God sent hurricane to Jonah. He wanted Jonah's attention. And Jonah, swallowed by the whale, it said that he was thrown overboard by a tempest. The tempest word is actually hurricane. God sent that hurricane. People think that God doesn't send storms today. Of course he does. When we disobey him and he wants our attention, he'll send the storm to us. Not because he hates us, not because his anger is out of control, but because he loves us. He wants to talk to us. He'd rather go ahead and send a storm and get us saved after we repent of our sin than have us just go through life and die in our sin. The wages of sin is death and wind up in eternity in hell. The Bible talks about that it is better to go into heaven with one eye if your eye offends you, pluck it out. It's better to go into heaven maimed with one eye than to spend eternity in hell with both eyes. We need to start looking at things spiritually when we're talking about God. And I say all that because as we go into this next verse, it's important that we understand that God always, repeat after me, God always pulls out all the stops in his effort to show us how much he loves us. He's not willing that any should perish. We would think that God is evil if we just looked at what happened in the 40 years. And people say God would never do stuff like that and because it's the New Testament. Well, that's not quite true. Don't forget about Ananias and Sapphira. What were they guilty of? New Testament. They were part of the company of God. They belonged to the church. And the story is that the church decided they were going to bring all their money in to have a common type of socialism <laughs> in their approach to how they were going to meet together. And so they sold, Ananias and Sapphira sold some land, but they were going to withhold money. They decided not to be honest. And when they bought their money into Peter, I think it was Peter, they lied to the Holy Ghost. And so God actually killed them. They were killed in separate instances, first the husband, then the wife. And this is the same God that had revenge and had anger and had wrath revealed to the Jews in the Old Testament. I say that all because we are in such a delicate time in America right now with this coronavirus going on. You know, let me read verse 19. I'm, I'm building up to it, but I want to say it. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. Who? Those that suppress the truth. Because that which may be known of God is made known in them, for God has already showed it unto them. Now, if you break that down, you can see that God revealed to them the things that may be known. There are things that may be known of God that's revealed in his word. And then there are things that may not be known of God that aren't revealed in his words. But God has given us enough that we have the ability, the opportunity to know him like we're supposed to know him. The good news is that God has given us enough knowledge of him that we are sufficiently equipped to live a life to the fullest and fulfill our divine destinies in this life. 
These truths, they belong to us. They belong to our children. We are not required to know the hidden things or the secret things of God, but the things that he has given us to know, we should know them. Because the Bible says God has shown it to them. That's it right there. There's no excuse for mankind. Not only has he shown it unto us, he has placed that knowledge within mankind across the board as well. He covers all the bases. Laws of nature. Remember, nature is God in the Constitution. The Jews were given the law by which they were able to know God. But the rest of the world, we have that which may be known of God. That's placed in us. Verse 20. For the invisible things from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things which are made. So the things which are made are what? Us. We're supposed to understand the invisible things. Why? Because God has made that known to us. He's placed a knowledge of him inside us. The heavens declare the glory of God. You know, the gospel is preached right through the constellations. We need to understand that these things are there for our benefit. Verse 20 again, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and the Godhead, so that mankind is without excuse. So he tells us two things right here. The invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. And then he's going to tell us what two of those things are. Number one, his eternal power. It's invisible, but it says that these things are clearly seen in the realm of the spirit. Or you can even see them in the flesh. The fact that mountains have volcanoes, the fact that the earth changes from night to day, the fact that there's planets in the sky that move. These basically are designed to reveal the power of God to us. The creation doctors, I think in my mind, I think the doctors are the most inexcusable people that would ever reject God. The human body is such an amazing creation. And the doctors, they have this knowledge about how this works and how that works and how this does this and that stops this from doing that. Just the nature of our bodies, the immune system rejecting the disease. I mean, this is so amazing. Doctors, they are without excuse. They have no excuse. They are the ones that should be pounding in the drums on the airwaves about the, the glory of God. Look what God did. He created a human race, the order of God. It's just amazing. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. We are to understand God made the human body. We are to understand God made the heavens. We are to understand night follows day, grass grows, seed time and harvest. We are to understand fish swim, birds fly. We are to understand God by all of that. All of that declares the glory of God, testifies of him, and it says we're without excuse. The two things that are made, his eternal power and his Godhead, his absolute authority. He is God and we are not. That's why I get so frustrated when we use man's wisdom that, well, God can't send this virus, so God can't send this storm. Who do we think we are? God can do anything he wants. He's God and I'm not. And I'm supposed to understand. Now, let's go to the coronavirus. I have no idea where that came from. I don't know if God sent it. I don't know if the devil did it. I don't know if Hillary worked it up in her back room and sent it to us. I have no idea. But to me, that is not important. What is important is that we as a people repent of our sin and call upon God and ask his help to remove it. You know, there's a scripture verse where uh, Jesus rebuked the storm. He walked out into the water. The guys were going 
Oh, I think it was the Sea of Galilee. They were fishing in a boat. They were scared. A storm came. It was nighttime. They thought they were going to die. They saw Jesus walking on the water. They thought it was the Spirit. Jesus popped into the boat. He rebuked the storm. And we've made a whole bunch of doctrines out of that, that every storm now comes from the devil because Jesus rebuked that one storm. Come on, folks. We got to be wise. Once again, God sent the storm, the hurricane that got Jonah out of the boat because he had to talk to Jonah. It worked. He got his opinion. He got it. He got his message across. Same thing here. Let me tell you this wonderful thing that's hidden in the virus that's going on right now. Coronavirus, right? There is a scripture. I'm skipping ahead, but I did want to get this in here today. It's a wonderful scripture. I love it. My wife found it. It's found in uh, Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 22. Check this scripture out. For though thou wast... Oh, I can't read my own writing. For though thou wast... Oh, my goodness. For though thou wash thee with nitre or lye or disinfectant, though thou wash thee with disinfectant, and though you take much soap, yet thine iniquity is marked before me, saith the Lord. And what's going on with the virus? What is our response to the virus, huh? What are we doing? We're disinfecting our hands everywhere we go. We're washing our hands. 21 seconds, sing a song, say a prayer, do something, do a dance while you're washing your hands. We are attempting to clean off the virus from our bodies. That is a carnal response to what's happening. The spiritual response is mankind. You cannot clean yourself. You cannot get your hands clean. You cannot wash away this virus. It's what we do with sin all the time. And God is saying, you cannot do this on your own. That's why the message in the gospel is the message in this virus right now. You can try all day to wash yourself clean and keep the virus away from you. But at the end of the day, I want you to understand you are sinning as a people. You are sinning as a nation. You are killing your children. You are promoting homosexuality. You are putting gay marriage. You are violating the order of God. You are lying and deceiving and cheating one another. You are divorcing your spouses. You are abusing your children sexually. That's the sin I want you to deal with as a nation. And I will clean you, saith the Lord, but you can't clean yourself. And that's what this virus, I think, in the realm of the spirit is all about. We're trying to go ahead and clean the sin away from us, which has resulted in this virus coming. And we just don't understand God's saying, come to me, come to me. I'm calling you. Whether I sent this virus or not is irrelevant. The fact is I am calling you. I am talking to you. I want your attention. You need to quit sinning. I can fix this in a minute, but I need the church to repent. That's why I love Franklin Graham so much. He gets this right. He's got it. Romans 121. I hope you understand what I'm saying there. Okay. Once again, to me, it's irrelevant whether God sent it or anybody else sent it. I don't care. The fact is it's here. How will we deal with it? Will we respond to the message that says America needs to be clean? We need to be washed from our sin. You know, today is once again, Easter Sunday. This is such an important message. The theme of Easter is not God's goodness. It's repent. The theme of Easter is Jesus had to die for your sin because you would wind up in hell for eternity if he did. Did not do it. And yes, I raised him from the dead, saith the Lord, but I want to raise you from the dead, saith the Lord. I want you to repent of your sin so you too can have newness of life. That's the message this Easter season in Jesus' name. Romans one twenty one. Because that when they knew God, don't forget Romans one twenty said they knew God. They were without excuse. He's placed an innate knowledge in each and every one of us. Because that when they knew God, they did not glorify him as God. Neither were they thankful, but they became vain in their imaginations and their foolish hearts were darkened. And yes, that's so true. We are a thankless society. 
We've taken the things the way we look at, and we've attributed them to the character of God, and we are missing God. Okay, God is not a man that he should lie. It's the same old thing that Satan did. Satan said, I will exalt myself. I'll be like the most high God. It's the same card that he played against Eve in the Garden of Eden. Oh, God knows if you eat from that tree, you'll be just like God. And we do it today all day long. We've rejected God. We don't need God's wisdom. We don't need his help. We definitely don't want his holy character to decide for us how we will live, what we can do, what we can't do. We don't want to make mention of the name of God in our government, in our schools, in our news shows. No, thank Thank you. We don't even want the churches open anymore. It's part of a grander plan to remove the power of the church. You know what's missing in America because of all this masking and everything? You don't see anybody smile anymore. We all look like a bunch of Antifa idiots out there, right? We can't smile. We can't hug. You can't lay hands on the sick anymore. You know, these are things that the church should be doing today, but they've got us put into a corner. And we need to rebound and we need to respond to that in the way that the church does. Fearlessly, can you see Jesus not going to church? Can you see Jesus closing down the doors? Can you see Jesus not smiling or not hugging anybody? We need to get back into the Bible and recognize this is an assault. And I understand a lot of pastors are opening. A lot of pastors are closing. That's fine. You do what God tells you to do. You don't open because Harry opened and you don't close because Bobby closed. You do what God has told you to do. Okay, they glorified him not. The Greek word is doxazo, and basically it means we did not give God the esteem due his name. We did not render or give to him the honor. We did not magnify him. We made a decision. We were intentionally not going to glorify God. This is the society in which we're living in today. Their knowledge grew about carnal things, but it did not grow in measure with the growth of their knowledge of God. We left off knowing God. To glorify him as God is to glorify him only. You know, we don't get in trouble in America for preaching Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. We get in trouble when we tell people Jesus is the only way. They don't care. You can have Jesus right up there with Buddha and Gandhi and self-idolatry. It's when we say he is the only way that the world gets their back up and we start suffering persecutions. To glorify him as God is to glorify him only. To respect him as just another creature does not give him the glory he deserves. This is exactly what we've done today. Mankind was not thankful for the creator, for his creating them. God made me. I was talking with Karen before, and we're so grateful for the things that God, I am so thankful I am alive. I am not only alive, I'm going to spend eternity in heaven with him, with my family, with others who love the Lord God. I've got a great future. I'm excited about it, and I am thankful for that. It's such a little thing. You know, the Bible talks about in, is it the next phrase? Let me see here. Verse 22 Neither were they thankful. Oh, they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. You know, there are things that I don't like. I don't like, I don't like uh, Brussels sprouts. No, I like Brussels. I don't like beets. Okay. That's a far cry from not liking to think about God. And yet that's what our society has done. In America, we've done something really weird. We've not only rejected God, but we've removed God. You know, this is God's earth. Yes, he's given over to the system of Satan because of Adam's sin. But the church is operating in here. Our job is to let people know, hey, God is real. God is alive. God loves you. And even if there are judgments coming on in the earth that are coming down because the Bible says, I gave everybody a knowledge of God. Every time I created somebody, they were born with an innate knowledge of who that I am. I showed them creation. I placed in them an ability to understand 
the power that I have and the authority that I have. And I've done this, but they have rejected me. The church in America has a full-time job ahead of them. We've got to take back ground. You know, it's easier to defend ground than have to take it back. But because of our silence, we're in a position where we have to take back ground. Well, so be it. That's what we'll do. We're the children of God. We've been given power, might, dominion over all of the power of the enemy, and nothing by any means shall harm us. We need to get back to the Bible. That's why we're doing this radio program. I help you read the Bible. I point out some things in here that are important for us to have in our repertoire as we deal with the Antichrist spirit in America today that's been released. So I just encourage you, get in the Bible, read the Bible. You can read along with us. Just study Romans chapter 1. Great, great chapter. Remember, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. We thank you so much for listening and tuning in. I will get done with Romans this year. Uh, there's so much to talk about, but I want to keep it current. That's why I keep referring back to maybe the coronavirus or maybe the coming election, the end of the year, if we still have them. So stay tuned. We've got great information for you. We love you. Be blessed. We'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8 on 100.7 The Word, where faith comes by hearing. You can also listen to the podcast of this program by going to kkht.com. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net.